This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. One of the things that's helped us tremendously in our lives is the fact that our parents never framed our eye condition as as a limitation. Braille has always been a very special thing between Brian and I. And so on every one of the shirts, we incorporate Braille details, whether that said the word brother or vision. It gave us this idea that maybe this could be our project, our way to change the narrative. Believe it or not, Brian, it's been a year ago today. A full year. A full year since you and I spoke, and you were my first interview. I'm sorry that you had to start on such a low <laughs> note, but I'm, uh, I'm proud to say I got you first. I was so glad that we started with you because you made it so easy for me, but we have both Brian and Brad here today. Yeah, it, it's nice to be included and hope, you know, I spend every day with Brian, and I'll tell you what, yeah, I know the first one was great. But, um, you know, the, the, the uh, shine wears off day by day. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's just going to be that much better. Now that I've got both of you. For the new listeners, tell them a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, sure. So I'm Brian, and uh, you just heard my brother, Brad. We run a clothing brand called Two Blind Brothers. Brad and I were diagnosed with a rare retinal eye disease called Stargardt's disease, which uh, kills the cells in the center of your vision at the age of seven. And three years ago, uh, actually this month, we founded Two Blind Brothers on the principle of two simple missions. One, to make the best fitting and feeling shirts in the world. And two, to donate 100% of our profits back to cure blindness. Well, tell us a little bit about Two Blind Brothers, the brand. Yeah, so when I say luxury casual wear, uh, I mean, you know, Henleys, hoodies, polos, uh, graphic tees, any anything soft and comfortable that you want to feel and look amazing in, We that's where we really specialize. And the reason uh, we actually started the brand was a few years ago before we launched Brad and I were in a Bloomingdale's of all places shopping together. And if any of your listeners, uh, you know, have shopped with a visually impaired person before, you know that strategy one is to feel everything in the store like you're five years old. And as soon as you come across something that feels like quality, then you do the investigatory research to say, okay, is it the price that I want? Is it the color that I want? Is it a brand I like? Is it a men's shirt, for instance? And once you figure out all of that, then you go into the process of buying it. Well, Brad and I on that fateful day actually bought the exact same shirt. And <laughs> one of us, had, it, was, it was a funny day, but one of us had to return them. But we struck on this idea that maybe there's something to it. When you have bad eyesight, you experience the world through your hands. And what might be amazing is making clothing with that concept in mind. Make everything you can as soft and as wonderful as possible. It gave us this idea that maybe this could be our project, our way to give back to a cause that we care deeply about, which is uh, not just to give profits to research to help cure blindness, 
but along the way changed the narrative because right now when that mother, that individual is walked into that doctor's office, uh, you know, there's very little hope. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, these diseases aren't curable. And instead of having that conversation be go home and go blind because there is no hope, we want the conversation to be let's talk about some of the exciting treatments that are coming down the way. And there are so many. I recently heard um, that you moved the majority of your manufacturing to a place called Dallas Lighthouse for the Blind. Can you tell us a little bit about your decision to do that, to make the move, what this organization is about? So just as a a point of clarity, this is Dallas Lighthouse recently uh, merged with a company called Envision. And while they're sort of figuring out their new structure, they technically sort of pause uh, their production of sort of smaller run orders. They do a lot of big government contracts. So right now we're actually... So right now we're actually figuring out uh, some new SKUs to do with them. But uh, in the meantime, we're actually working with um, uh, an organization called Industries of the Blind. And um, they're working on a few different products for us. Uh, we're going to be, uh, we'll, we'll tease it, uh, we're, rolling, we're rolling out some unbelievable sunglasses that they're helping us with right now. I can't talk about it too much because we just haven't, we haven't locked down the, the product yet. But just to tell you a little bit about it, you know, when we started, when we started Two Blind Brothers, it was really our side passion project to help uh, advance research for these conditions. And it very, very quickly became about the community as we started to get traction. And um, you know, one of the amazing things about getting the publicity we've gotten is people started to hear about us, including these amazing organizations that we never knew existed like Dallas Lighthouse for the Blind or like Industries for the Blind. And we actually are trying as hard as we can now to make sure that our whole supply chain includes folks that are part of this community. Uh, One, because the quality of work is absolutely amazing. And two, they are very aligned with our mission. The culture is great. And uh, three, it lets us have an effect and an impact on the community today, as opposed to waiting for that uh, early stage research to get through that clinical trial, which is sort of a longer term goal for us. You guys launched in 2016, and it's now become one of the fastest growing cause-driven companies in the US. Can you talk to me a bit about the kind of response have you seen from consumers? The, The response has been nothing short of unbelievable and magnificent. The visually impaired community, and I I may be selfish when I say this, is the greatest group of people on the planet. It's, there's so much passion, so much enthusiasm, so much support and love that we have been absolutely floored because you know, it's it's so it, it, it's when we first launched our our <clears throat> brand on Facebook, we made a simple Facebook video with a friend of ours who was at one time a Starbucks barista turned videographer. And when we first put out our video, we said, "Okay, we'll see how this does. It'll be a fun little thing." And over overnight and over the course of weeks, you know, we had thousands upon thousands of people share our story, put out their own stories, and really hold our entire brand up. And I and it, it's a testament to how 
wonderful and kind and supportive people can truly be. It is it has been one of the greatest gifts we could have ever asked for in this project. What advice do you wish you had about brand building when you launched Two Blind Brothers? There's a couple things. Um, you know, one is that story, your story and the DNA of the reason you do what you do is so critical. When we made these shirts and we put out our business, people didn't resonate with the fact that we had made a Henley shirt. They resonated with the fact of our personal story. Um, you know, one of the things that was so enlightening to us is when we first talked about our, here's a great example of why story is so important. When we first talked about our mission, we thought, or rather I thought that Brian was smarter on this than I was. I thought that we needed to basically empower the consumer with as much information and science as possible. And our whole about us and mission page talked about, you know, uh, what qualified as a researcher we were funding, you know, what projects and, and what specific genes we were chasing down. And certain people care about that. But what we found is that when we told our story about two brothers diagnosed at a young age, fighting and figuring it out, and now wanting to rally as many people as we can to change that conversation in the doctor's office, something really fascinating happened. You know, people tend to be a little um, skeptical of facts because everybody makes them up these days. And so we have this phrase that we use in the office that facts are fragile. And what you really need to do for people is to give them context. You know, once somebody understands who you are and where you're coming from, then they can fill in a lot of the blanks for themselves. Are you into playing a couple of games with me? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we'll do true or false. Lemons contain more sugar than strawberries. It feels like such a weird fact. I have to think it's true. You're right. It is true. It is true. I was actually pretty surprised on that. An average ear of corn has odd number of rows. Salt? Yes. It has 16 rows of kernel on it. I don't know who went and counted this, but someone did. Somebody who shucks a lot of corn, I could imagine. <laughs> um, true or false? Chocolate was once used for currency. True. Yes, very true. Aztecs, they used it to trade for cocoa beans, which they can actually grow. Apple trees belong to the rose family. True. You guys are killing this. Yeah, and so do cherries and strawberries and peaches do as well. Radishes have more water content than watermelon. True. False. True. It's true. Oh. (laughs) A radish has about 95% of water, and watermelon has around 92. So it's close. Uh, Dastardly 3%. (laughs) And... Not a true or false, but what is a bunch of bananas called? A bunch. Final answer? Final answer. A flock of bananas. (laughs) It's actually called a hand. A hand of bananas. A hand of bananas. I threw that one in because I could not stop laughing. I thought, really? Yes, a hand of bananas. 
How hands-on are the two of you with your designs? Well, we have, and I and I, I don't say this lightly, we have the greatest team of people in the world around us. I don't think any any business is successful without having fantastic folks who are who sit beside you and around you because there's a lot of stuff that we're really good at. There's a lot of stuff that we have a team that's amazing at. And our, with every design, Brad and I are, you know, very hands-on. You know, we have a seven-person team here at Two Blind Brothers, so there's nothing that really happens without everybody knowing at least a little bit of it. Um, But in all of the designs, what we usually start with is we find something we love, be it a certain type of silhouette that we love, be it a certain type of T-shirt, be it a, you know, be it a, a fabric, be it a idea of, of a shirt. And then we, we construct a prototype. And what we do is we say, okay, we love this. We don't like this. And we make adjustments all along the way. And until we come out with, you know, it might be, it might be three iterations if we're really lucky. It might be 10 if we, if there's little pieces we want to sleeve to be a quarter inch shorter or a hem to be a quarter inch longer. And once we get down to that absolutely perfect, perfect shirt, then we are willing to go into production. But until that happens, we're just totally unwilling. And our design team, you know, we have a girl here who was the, who used to work at, for a buy the buyer from Montclair, a very, very high end jacket company who does a, who does a lot of our design and a lot of our work. And she takes that kind of luxury aesthetic and that luxury feel and translate it, translates it more into your basic style clothing. Well, you also have the, the braille tags that are on each and every one of the articles of clothing that you, you produce. And each one of them has a different saying. Can you describe what the sayings are and uh, what does that symbolize for you? Braille has always been a very special thing between Brian and I. When we were in middle school, and I'm five years older than Brian, so it was maybe a little bit later for me, um, but our parents came to us and said, hey, um, we're going to take you out of school twice a week and you guys are going to learn to read Braille. And, you know, we looked at them super confused. And one of the things that's helped us tremendously in our lives is the fact that our parents never framed our eye condition as, as a limitation. They always kind of sold it to us as something that made us a, a difference or something that just required, uh, you know, unique workarounds. And so when we looked at them funny, when they said, you're going to learn to read Braille, they said, well, can you imagine you're going to be able to give a speech to a room full of people, but not have to look down at your paper. And then we were like sold, you know, cause we we're like, Oh, this is, like yeah, a, yeah. This, this is like a secret skill we're going to learn. So, you know, <laughs> and, and, and it was one of the first things that really bonded Brian and I over our vision impairment because we, and we both started from scratch at the same place. So, you know, as an older brother, I was always kind of a little irked by the fact that Brian was like learning the alphabet faster than I was, and and and, and, and studying it, and, and it got like very, it got like very competitive, uh, you know. And um, and so, so when we started this brand, you know, we knew we wanted to incorporate, you know, Braille into it. And one of the things that we think gets missed oftentimes. Uh, with accessibility is the fact that there's beautiful design aesthetics with some of this stuff. You know, we, we never want to feel like 
the accessibility that we're adding to our products or the nod that we're making to the visually impaired community is is is, is separate from the style. And, um, you know, it, 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 it made us who we are and it makes the shirts what they are. And so on every one of the shirts, we incorporate Braille details, whether that's the, the tag on the sleeve that um, uh, says the word feel. Uh, it's in the past, it says it has said the word brother or vision. Um, and, uh, um, and then we also on our graphic tees and soon to be on our entire line, we do either a, a puff paint or embroidery on the hem that tells you the color of the shirt. But, you know, and when you look at it, it's just uh, it, the aesthetic, whether you know it's Braille or not, is just super fascinating. I mean, these, these dots look like some sort of obscure mark that you're trying to figure out. And then when you find out it actually has information in it, it, it people are very fascinated by that. Were there any designs that didn't make the cut, that you guys really wanted it to work out, but it just didn't make the cut? That is a fantastic question. And the answer is, unfortunately, yes. Not, you know, and sadly, sometimes it's, it's my favorite. Seems to never get taken up by the whole team. I don't know what that is about. I think there's a conspiracy against me. I'm very upset about it. No, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun in some of our, especially when we get to be more creative with our graphic team. You know, we have everyone in the office and all of our extended friend group who are amazing people will say, hey, we're trying to figure out a new graphic tee for Two Blind Brothers. You know, let us know if you have any ideas. And which has always been a really, really fun, it's a, it's a fun exercise because we all sit in one room and we just kind of pass through stuff for, you know, an hour or two hours. And the other ones that are, that are very fun is if you go to the website, you'll see that, um, and this is my favorite shirts we sell, is the front and the back of the shirt actually are two different patterns. We'll have a solid front and a striped back. And I always love them because they're so unique. They're so, they're a little bit louder than your typical shirt. And one of the reasons we originally made them was when Brad and I would go out to, you know, go to a bar or go to a restaurant or go to a coffee shop, we wouldn't be able to find each other. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and, okay. And two, two blind brothers playing hide and seek. It's a very <laughs> long game. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and and so with these shirts that stood out a little bit more than you know your prototypical plaid button down that you see uh, around uh we we could actually find each other and they're probably my 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 darlings on the uh on the website or, or in the collections that we sell you know what i love that it's like a little bit of business in the front party in the back <laughs> i couldn't agree more <laughs> What about some of the latest design, the more recent designs? Actually, amazingly, and again, I'm going to tease this out because, you know, if Brad and I were in the same room, he might hit me if I say too much. But he's not <laughs> here, so I have full latitude. But we are actually, in the next month or two, launching a ton of new styles, all following falling into that luxury basics category from a perfect and absolutely unbelievable tee to a women's turtleneck to, to I, I, I can't say them all, but they are, we just did our photo shoots on them. They will be coming out sometime in June and it is, it's expanding our collection so vastly and so wonderfully. I, I truly am unbelievably proud and excited to show them off. Oh, I'm excited to see them. Just a little teaser for the audience. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Maybe 
something a little tunic style to cover my party in the back? (laughs) (laughs) We can make custom. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. You guys are based in New York. Yeah. And it's got a really exciting food scene. (laughs) Like Toronto here. Um, Are there any of your favorite spots? Any really unique spots or pop-up restaurants that you found? I'm not going to tell. I don't want them to become crowded. <laughs> There's a, uh, a restaurant called Domo Domo, which is a Japanese, traditional uh, Japanese restaurant, which is not only amazing food, um, but it also is amazingly priced. They just doubled the size of the restaurant. And so if you end up sitting on the, uh, the expanded side, they give you this incredible discount. So you're basically eating like $1 oysters at a one-star Michelin restaurant. Uh, it's, uh, it's incredible. Okay, that's cool. What about uh, food trucks? Any special ones you found? Or are you guys into food trucks? The food truck culture? I love the food truck culture. I've, uh, you know, just because you can, you know, you have a chef who instead of needing, you know, a million dollars to open a restaurant, with you know, thirty to fifty grand, he can get a food truck and he can start putting his food out there and seeing what people are actually liking and helping refine that menu. There's an unbelievable thing called Smorgasbord in New York City. I don't know if it's everywhere, or if it's just here, but they basically take over empty lots and you'll have these pop-up vendors in there for three or four months at a time, which is truly, mm. truly awesome. It started in Brooklyn. There was, there's one in Soho. They just opened up another one in Queens, uh, which so basically all over the city, you can find them, which is as much fun as, as possible. And there's always new vendors circling through there where you have people who are, who usually take interesting takes on, uh, on classic dishes. Like you'll have a, a lobster roll, but it'll be diced up and it'll be with like Thai spices rather than just your traditional New England style. Or you'll, go and have the craziest burger you've ever imagined. And these people are just there making food that day. And it's, it's one of the most fun things you can walk around in New York City if you like food. I have to ask this question. Do you trust New York street meat? Depends on the time of day. I'll tell you that. At <laughs> 3 p.m., maybe not. Around midnight, I, I'm a little more inclined. Okay, so you'll still go for the midnight. All right. <laughs> My cutoff is about 11. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know you do enjoy cooking. What recipe took you the longest to perfect? Cocovan. Uh, it's basically like chicken braised in red wine and crusted with bacon. It's it's decadent as can be, but it took me it took me a while because there's you know 22 steps in making it. But once you get it down, it is as unbelievably tasty as as you could imagine. I'm already tired hearing the 22 steps. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a Saturday afternoon cook. It's not after work. What techniques are you currently trying to master in the kitchen? I am trying to get better at making uh, pastas, you know, like homemade fresh pastas and getting them to come out, getting them to come out well each time. You know, one out of every every three, they're, they're great. And then the other two are too thick, too thin, too whatever. So getting a little bit better at my at my doughs. What's your signature dish? And what drink would you pair with it? Oh, that's a great one. I make this, it was the first dish I ever came up with in my head at the grocery store. And I cook it for my lovely girlfriend, Court, every Valentine's Day. I call it signature dish. 
but it's a it's it, it, I'm very clever with naming as you can tell <laughs> uh, it's a it's a cod in kind of like a umami based Thai brown Thai brown sauce mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all done in one copper pan it is it is absolutely phenomenal and what I would pair with it I'm a big fan of craft beer so whatever you can whatever i can find in the fridge i'm usually pretty happy with what are you enjoying right now oh i have been really into belgian beer recently i have been really excited about them i anything anything from that country basically makes my heart sing okay this or that the choice is yours you can get with this or you can get with that comedy or horror horror <gasps> i'm scared even thinking of that burger or hot dog burger this one's really important. Toilet paper, over or under? Uh, over. Yes. Hot sauce or barbecue sauce? Barbecue sauce, all the way. Oh, Sam, a hot sauce. A little spice. Oh, but a good set of ribs is very hard to beat. I'll give you that one. I ask every guest to share a kitchen confession with me. I I always tell people I cook very healthy, but I sneak butter into every single thing I make because it just is better. And I'm not I'm not here to try and save your waistline. I'm here to give good food. <laughs> That's awesome. Have you tried adding butter to uh, tomato sauce? So when you're no. making a ragu or something. So right at the end, when you make your tomato sauce, two tips: if you're making like a sauce meat sauce, anything, or regular just flat tomato sauce. Um, you can add in parmigiano reggiano. Yes. The rind of it, you can toss that in, the rind into your sauce, mm. and cook that up with it. And then right at the end, when you're done, add in a little tab of butter, stir it up. It kind of gives this little silkiness to it. Really? Because I usually add like, yes. a, like a, a, a dab of cream. Like heavy cream in there, but I'll definitely you try can. butter the next time. Oh, that's very exciting. Try the butter. Yeah, you got to let me know. Try the butter, and uh, I guarantee you'll like it. It just it adds like a silkiness to it. The other thing I've been doing a lot is I bought, I was at a farmer's market, and they had, you know, Hudson Valley um, duck fat. And I've been cooking with that more and more. It, it, it blows butter and olive oil just 100% out of the water. I, See, I haven't I can, tried that yet. Oh, my God. Order a jar off the internet. It makes every, eggs. They make some of the greatest tasting things you'll ever have. And you use the same amount as you would butter. Yeah, like if I'm going to coat the bottom of a pan with olive oil, I'll just take a tiny scoop of duck fat and put it in there as well, let it melt down and render, and it is to die for try it once and it'll change your life and you can send me an email saying thank you (laughs) (laughs) but that'll be after i get your email saying thank Thank you you for the butter sauce (laughs) that's all i got you guys are fantastic well thank you so much for having us on It, it just you guys are great a lot of fun to talk to and i love what you're doing yeah, thank, thank you so much. I'm so happy that in the course of a year, we've been able to reconnect. And this has been, been a delightful time. And I've loved to see how, how your podcast and your whole website and the whole Kitchen Confessions has grown and evolved and become a much 
much bigger thing, and it's a, it's a testament to how much work you're putting in. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, and same same here. You know, we've only gotten to this point with our project because people like you, you know, have lifted up our story. So we are extremely grateful and uh, always appreciative. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew, and I'm Mary Mamaliti. See you at the next episode.